Well, good morning, church. We are talking about busyness and schedules today. And I thought it would be appropriate to open the message by telling you a little bit of a story. In 1972, Eastern Airlines Flight 401 took off from New York's John F. Kennedy Airport around 9 p.m. in the evening. And there it made a relatively routine flight to Miami, Florida. When the plane came in for a landing, however, the pilots, when they deployed the landing gear, noticed that in the cockpit there is a green indicator light that illuminates when the landing gear has been successfully deployed. And that light did not come on. And so they're concerned that something was wrong with the landing gear, and so they tried to reset the landing gear, but once again, the indicator light did not come on. And because landing gear is kind of an essential component to successfully landing an aircraft, the pilots talked to the radio tower. But because it was dark out, they couldn't see whether or not the landing gear was actually down or not, and so the pilots aborted the landing and flew out over the Florida Everglades to try to troubleshoot the problem. And it was there both the pilot and the co-pilot became so busy focused on trying to figure out what was going wrong with the plane. Was in fact the landing gear the problem or was it okay? Was there something wrong with the light? Was there something malfunctioning with the cockpit or the electrical system? What was actually going on? And they were so distracted by that that they didn't realize that they unintentionally disengaged the autopilot. And as they were focused on the issue, the plane slowly and subtly, but steadily, was descending. And with no lights out over the Florida Everglades, and because it was dark, they didn't have any sort of visual clue to how close to the ground they were becoming, that aircraft flew itself into the ground. And it was a terrible tragedy. It took the lives of over 100 people. And the reason I tell you that story is because the issue that was most dangerous to those pilots actually wasn't malfunctioning equipment. The danger that those pilots faced is the same type of danger that you and I face every day when it comes to our schedule, and that is the danger of distraction. Now, some of you may say, now wait a minute, Kyle, how I spend time with my calendar and, and what I spend time doing is not nearly as dramatic as something like that. But as we're gonna see today, how we spend our time has a profound impact on the condition of our soul. And it is absolutely something that requires our full attention. So we're in the midst of this series called The Struggle is Real, and we're talking about the real life struggles that each and every one of us face. And as Pastor Brad mentioned to you last weekend as he kicked off the series, we're not coming to you as experts who have all of these things figured out. We're coming to you as people who also struggle with these same very issues. In fact, as a few of us pastors had gathered together and we were planning and preparing for the message, I mentioned that I was going to speak on the struggle of busyness and our schedule, and Pastor Heather, who's speaking to us next weekend, looked at me and said, uh, oh yeah, that'd be good for you. <laughs> I'm just a busy guy, I love being, I love, I love being busy and, and having so much stuff going on. So again, not coming as an expert, but certainly as someone who has investigated God's word, and God has such clear instruction for us that those of us that live hurried, busy, stressed out lives really need to hear. And it seems that I'm not the only one who is busy in life. In fact, I've noticed, maybe you've noticed this too, how busyness has kind of become a new greeting for us in our culture. 
right? Like when you see someone you haven't seen for a while, you say, hey, how's it going? How you doing? How's life? And people respond by saying, it's busy, right? They say, it's busy. We kind of nod in agreement. We're like, yeah, it's busy for us too. And if somebody were to tell us they were not busy, we like wouldn't know what to do with that, right? Even when we're not busy, we act like we're busy because there's this cultural pressure to always be busy. But before we can understand how to deal with our busy schedule, we need to ask the question, why? Why is it that we're so busy? And what we find out is that it actually has very little to do with how much we're trying to do in the course of a day. And it all comes down to what is the driving force that's causing us to try to fill our calendar so much. In 2012, there was an article that was published in the New York Times by one of their essayists. His name is Tim Kreider. And I don't know where Tim stands in his faith relationship with God, but Tim made an observation about our culture and the culture of busyness that I think just nails it. So here's what Tim wrote in the New York Times. He said this, he said, busyness serves as kind of an existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked, in demand every hour of the day. I think Tim just gets it right. And this quote went viral because so many people resonated with that sense that we are scheduling ourselves and and approaching our schedule in a way to guard against insignificance. We want our lives to feel like they matter. We want our soul to feel satisfied. And so we're tempted to cram all of these things into our calendars. That's why we pick up the extra project at work because we think maybe it'll give us an opportunity to get ahead, we can get a promotion, make a little more money, have some more influence, and maybe then our soul will feel satisfied. Or as students, there's so much pressure to try to build your resume and get into the good college so you can get a good start on life, and so we just kind of get on that that hamster wheel, and we feel like we're just chasing after all of these things, and and we're, we're hoping that if we just can get enough and add enough and be accepted to the right place, maybe our life will be significant and our soul will be satisfied. Or for those of us who are parents or grandparents, we think that our soul will be satisfied if our kids are successful and if they have a good life and if they're happy. And so we start cramming their little calendars full of all sorts of things, right? So we add them uh, into swimming lessons and they're involved in sports camps and dance and language appreciation and, and art class all before they're in kindergarten because we hope that maybe if they have a good head start, our souls will feel satisfied too. Or we want to make a difference in our community. So we're involved in the PTO and the PTA and the community service organization. We volunteer to be a t-ball coach. Okay, actually that last one's not true. Nobody actually volunteers to be a t-ball coach. You just get guilted into it by other parents, right? But we're so busy because we are trying to fill our lives so that our lives will feel full. But the problem and you've experienced it, and I've experienced it, is that the more full our calendar becomes, isn't it true that often the more empty our soul feels? And the reason for that is because our soul was never designed to be satisfied and filled by a sense of accomplishment. Christian author and professor Dallas Willard was once quoted to say that the most important thing about you is not what you accomplish, The most important thing about you is who you become. The most important thing about you is not what you accomplish. It is the person that you become. 
And so when it comes to our schedules and how we spend our time, that's the key question. Who are we becoming? Are we becoming better? Are we becoming more loving? Are we becoming more patient? Are we becoming more Christ-like in how we act and react to situations? Or are we simply becoming busier? And it's that question of becoming that Jesus himself speaks into directly. So if you have your Bible, why don't you open it up to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to see some verses that for those of us that are stressed out and busy, we are desperate to hear. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And the context of this passage is so incredibly important to us. Jesus was speaking with his disciples and Peter had just made his great confession that Jesus is in fact the Messiah and, and Jesus had affirmed that. And so the disciples were realizing that Jesus was, was the Savior. He was coming to, to rescue them. And so they were kind of jumping ahead in their mind. And they assumed that this meant that Jesus was heading to Jerusalem and there he was going to overthrow Rome and kick out the religious leaders and set up his kingdom. And that meant that they were going to have this great position. Life was finally going to get easy and life was finally going to be good. They were going to have power and influence and authority and they, they were just, they were going to have made it. And Jesus is saying, no, that is not my kingdom. That is not what this is about. My kingdom is not about worldly success and worldly influence and worldly power. My kingdom is a different type of kingdom. My kingdom is a soul-satisfying, soul-saving kingdom. It's a different kind of kingdom. And just to be sure that they understood it and to be sure that we understand it, Jesus gives a clear distinction for us. In verse 26 of Matthew 16, Jesus says this. He says, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And there Christ is giving us a very clear either or. These two things are mutually exclusive. That you can have your soul saved and satisfied through a relationship with God or you can chase after the world. The problem is that you and I kind of think we can do both. And we kind of try to live that way. And so we kind of approach our relationship with God and we think, well, that's what's gonna save my soul for eternity, which is true. And so we kind of wanna make sure we're being a good Christian and you know, we, we, we kind of do some stuff here at church. We show up you know, most of the time and we try to read our Bible and pray and we try not to sin too much. And, and yet, we, we kind of are drawn over here to the way of the world and that sense of accomplishment and well, maybe we can be successful in the workplace, and maybe we can be successful in our community, and maybe we can kind of do some other things, and so we kind of feel like we're kind of pulled in this direction too, and, and, and all of a sudden we're trying to hang on to both, and we're trying to scoop up all the sense of accomplishment over here and what the world has to offer, but yet kind of still hang on to our relationship with God, and our schedule feels this sense of stretch and chaos, and Jesus says in the midst of it, stop. You don't, you don't need to live this way. In fact, you can't live this way even if you were to chase after the world and have it all. You would lose your soul because our soul was never designed to be satisfied through worldly accomplishments. 
Our soul was designed to be satisfied through our relationship with God. That's why David writes in Psalm 62 verse one, he says, truly my soul finds rest in God. And isn't that what we need in the midst of our busy, hurried lives? Our soul needs to find rest in God. He goes on to say, my salvation comes from him. And David was certainly understanding that our eternal salvation comes from God, and that certainly is the message of Jesus. But Jesus didn't come only to save us for our future life. He also came to save us from this life so that our soul could be satisfied in him now, here today. That we don't have to waste our soul away by trying to chase after the world. And so if we are followers of Jesus, and we believe Jesus to be true, and we take seriously his words, then our schedules should look different. The trouble is that they often don't. A few years ago, I was having breakfast with a mentor of mine, and he said to me, he said, Kyle, I want you to prove to me that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. That's pretty good, huh? In fact, if somebody were to ask you that question, how would you respond? I thought for a minute and some verses came to my mind, my faith journey, faith story came to mind. And I opened my mouth to respond to him and he stopped me, he said, hold on, he said, before you respond, there's only two things you can use to prove to me that you're a follower of Jesus. How you spend your money and how you spend your time. All of a sudden, that conversation got a lot more interesting. Now, Pastor Brad spoke about how we spend our money and how we view our money last weekend, but how we spend our time or how I was spending my time was the problem. And I thought rather than try to explain it to you, I would show it to you. So I wanna show you how I was trying to approach my schedule. So let's say that some of these objects here kind of represent our lives, and uh, let's say this jar here represents all the available time that you and I have in the course of a day. And so we can fill it up with all the things that happen throughout a day. So one 24-hour period. And then there are some of these rocks that we need to incorporate into our day. One of the rocks that we need to incorporate is what we just talked about. Our souls are satisfied when we're connected with God and we get our soul satisfaction from a relationship with God. So we need to make sure that we're scheduling in time with God every day. So that needs to be incorporated into our schedule. And then we also need to be connected to other people. You know, we were designed to be social beings. We were designed to live in community with one another. God himself is in community. And so in order for our souls to be healthy, we have to be connected to God as well as connected to other people. So that needs to be in our schedule in some capacity. And then there's kind of like all the stuff that we need to get done every day. And that's kind of what this corn represents, right? All those tasks, and there are a lot of these tasks, right? All the things that we wanna do, all the things that we need to do, maybe some work obligations or some family obligations, stuff around the house, and how I was approaching my schedule. And maybe you can relate to this. Is I looked at this and said, wow, there's a lot of stuff I need to get done. And I better get to it. So I'd get up early and I would just start going. I might exercise a little bit in the morning uh, and you know, then I'd kind of start jumping onto some of those work emails and uh, you know, doing stuff around the house and some of those projects and can you hear that? That's the, that's the sound of productivity right there. That's what, that's what that is. We're getting stuff done, woo, yeah. That was a good day, right? It was a busy day, it was a full day. And uh, oh, oh yeah, I was supposed to connect with some other people in the midst of that, right? So I need to spend time with my friends and my family and, and some of them so we'll make sure that that kind of gets into our schedule and then um, yeah, I was supposed to connect with God so we need to make sure that that um, that's not gonna fit. 
you know what, I saw my wife and kids yesterday. So I'll just spend time with God today and then maybe I can do them both at the same time. Is that, that's not gonna fit either. Okay, you know what, let's rearrange, if we arrange the corn so it's all facing the same way, maybe that's not gonna work either. Um, you know what, we just need a bigger jar, right? I was going about it backwards. Because see, our soul is satisfied by, by these elements, and often these elements were the last to go into the schedule. Because we somehow think that our soul is gonna be satisfied by all the things that we accomplish and all the things that we do, and what we don't realize is that we're going about it in exactly the opposite way. The challenge is that when you think your soul is satisfied by this, and you put that in first, your soul's never satisfied. And so you're tempted to think, well, I just need to do more of it. And before you know it, you have corn overflowing your jar and you just have no space for the rocks that matter most. So let's talk about these two rocks here for a few minutes. The first rock that we absolutely need to put into our schedule first is our connection to God. This is the most important rock and every single day it needs to be incorporated into what we do because it is ultimately how our soul is satisfied. Pastor Bill Hybels pastors a church out in the Chicago area and he encourages his congregation to help meet this need in one way by doing something he calls chair time. Chair time is just taking 10 to 15 minutes in the morning, every morning, to sit in a chair and connect with God. It's an opportunity to open God's word and to hear what God has to say about you, about how God loves you and cares for you and created you and desires to be in relationship with you. It's to learn about God's nature and his character and for God to, to show to you and reveal to you some of those attributes that he wants to start changing and helping become in your life. And it's also an opportunity for us to pray for our day and pray for our family and our relationships and our friends. And it's a time in that shared time for us to be reminded of our mission. You may not realize this, but when you choose to be a follower of Jesus, not only do you become part of his family, and not only is your eternity secured in your relationship with God, you also become on mission with Jesus. And that mission is what we refer to as the Great Commission. It's a few verses found at the end of the book of Matthew where Jesus gives to us our mission. In fact, that's what the mission of our church here at Wooddale is based on. It's the call to go and make disciples. Disciples just means other followers of Jesus. But that's what we're called to do. And we need to be reminded of that mission every single morning. General George Patton was a hero in World War II, and he's famous for his insistence that any soldier under his chain of command must always know their mission and objective. And they have to know that before they go off into engagement. And the reason Patton was so adamant about that is he knew what happened to soldiers when they got into conflict. Things became chaotic and they got distracted and pulled away and if they didn't know their mission, they would end up someplace they never should have been in the first place. And the same is true when it comes to our schedules. All right, I mean, how many of us wake up in the morning and we think we have a plan for the day and then we find out that the boss has been emailing all hours of the night and has some stuff that we need to get on and we already feel like we're behind or we, find that somebody's sick or that the daycare center is closed or the bus never shows up or we run into a traffic jam and all of a sudden our, our calendar is just kind of thrown into chaos and we can forget what it was we were supposed to do that day anyway. It's one of the reasons that I've started incorporating something into my schedule every day that I refer to as a soul break. 
In fact, I've been encouraging our, encouraging our staff here at the church to do the same thing. A soul break is just kind of a, a seven to 10 minute little breather in the midst of a really busy day to reconnect with God. So in addition to chair time, it's kind of taking a step out to, to not be on your phone, not be on social media, not, not be on email, and just to step away and just say, God, how's it been going today? You know, we talked about this this morning. How am I doing? How did that last meeting go? How did that last conversation go? Uh, what about this next class that I'm heading off to? And it's to kind of reset ourselves and reconnect to God in the middle of a day. Maybe you do it in your office. Maybe you, you, you do it um, in, in outside by taking a short walk or uh, maybe just sitting in your car in a parking lot, but just taking some time to connect and reconnect with God because ultimately that is what our soul gets satisfied by. And so that must be the very first thing that when it comes to our schedule, we put in there right away. Now the second rock that we need to make sure that we're adding into our schedule is our connection to others. And this rock is important as well, but it, this rock is a little bit counterintuitive. In fact, it's kind of similar to how pilots are trained. When a pilot learns how to fly an aircraft, one of the things that they're taught is how to respond when the airplane stalls. Now, a stall is when the wind flowing or the air flowing, moving over the wings slows down to the point where it reduces the lift that's actually causing the airplane to fly. And when the lift is reduced and the plane starts to, to lose its lift, our natural response is to do what? Natural response would be to pull back, right? You want to get as far away from the ground as possible when that happens. But when you pull back when an airplane is stalling, it actually makes it worse because it further reduces the airflow over the wings, further compromising lift, and it causes the plane to spin. So even though it's counterintuitive, when a plane begins to stall, pilots are trained, don't pull back, push down. And by forcing the nose of the aircraft down, it increases the airflow over the wings and lift is restored and the plane can fly normally again. In a similar way, Jesus gives to us counterintuitive instruction. And it's instruction that we need to hear, especially when we're busy. Jesus says that if we want to save our life, we should lose it, which seems counterintuitive. And the way in which he instructs us to do that is found in verse 24. Look again, uh, Matthew 16, verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And of all the things we do well in life, self-denial is often not one of the things that we excel at. In fact, the busier we become and the busier we are, we have a tendency to kind of focus on ourselves, focus on me, right? It's almost like at the end of a busy day or a busy week, we, we feel like we've deserved some me time. I think that's why Netflix was invented, right? It's like, we just need to kind of hang out, right? And, and, and we actually have a term for this in our culture. It's something called self-care. And there's nothing inherently wrong with self-care. In fact, God has given us our bodies and we need to be wise and good stewards of those bodies. So we need to make sure that we're taking time to eat well and rest well and exercise and, and, and treat our body with respect because it's a gift from God. But the, the problem with self-care is that it's different from soul care. And we need to make sure that we don't ever confuse the two because our soul is satisfied by our connection to God and our connection to others. That's ultimately how our soul is satisfied. And if we are spend all that time focusing on ourselves, we're actually not satisfying our soul. And that's what we need. 
is soul satisfaction. And so we need to schedule in, especially when we're busy, some time of intentional self-denial. One of the ways I think we can do that is by having some missional moments throughout our week. What I mean by a missional moment is it is a time intentionally, on purpose, for you to connect with others and serve them. Not for the good of yourself, but for their good. You know, maybe it's another student in your classroom that just needs a little bit of help and they're trying to figure out how to get through one of these subjects and you're just gonna take 30 minutes to kind of help them out. It's not gonna benefit you at all, but it's just gonna benefit them. Or maybe there's somebody in the office that could use some encouragement and mentorship or somebody that it lives in your neighborhood that just needs some help around the house and you're taking time intentionally to serve them and to benefit them. Maybe you're gonna be part of a volunteer team and, and have a, a weekly accountability to, to show up and serve others, not for your own good, but for theirs. And when we do that, it's actually good for our soul because it gives to us a new perspective on life. It reminds us that life is not all about us. It's about something deeper and something greater and it helps to connect us with God in a new and a unique way. Because Jesus himself came as a servant. Jesus says of himself, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so if we follow Jesus and the example he set for us is to serve others, how much more do we need to make sure that we are doing that on a frequent basis if we are one of his followers? I meet with a lot of busy people and it always makes me sad when people who are busy tell me, you know what, we're just, we're just too busy to serve right now. And you know, when, when life slows down, then we'll start serving other people. And I often think to myself, when is life gonna slow down? And what they don't realize is that they're missing some soul-satisfying relationships by not serving. And yet I meet with people who serve often. And what's amazing to me about people that do serve is but they actually aren't any less busy than the rest of us. In fact, if anything, they might be more busy, but they don't feel hurried. And the reason they don't is because they got the order right. They put in first the relationship with God. That, that is something that is always a big rock in, that's in part of their day, and then they have intentionally taken time to focus on their relationships with others. And they have scheduled that into their day, and it's something that is just always and ever presently there. And what's amazing is when they start like that, then they begin by saying, now everything else around our life gets scheduled around these first two big rocks. And when they approach life that way, you know, there's still a lot to be done and there's still a lot of things that require our attention and our time and our energy and our effort, but because they put the rocks in, oh look that, see this life just goes, life just goes everywhere. And they start by putting, uh, putting the, the certain things in first. They're able to get everything done but in a way where their soul is still satisfied because they got the order right. And here's the thing, when we get the order right and we find our soul satisfied in our relationship with God and our connection and relationship with other people, it changes our perspective on our time. And we begin to identify some other rocks in our world and in our life that actually don't need to be in our schedule at all. But the rocks that are hard to identify when we're living a, a, an overscheduled, busy, hurried life. But when we can get the order right and hear from God and get connected with Him, then we start to understand what some of these rocks are. And one of those rocks is the rock of assumed obligation. 
There are things that people assume of us and expectations that maybe they put on us and it comes from family and it comes from friends or maybe it comes from mom guilt or it comes from all these societal pressures and they're things that we somehow just feel obligated that we must do and in actuality we don't need to do them and we're able to identify them and call them out for what they are, they're people pleasing. And when we're connected with God and our soul is satisfied in Him, we can see these more clearly and then begin to leave them out of our schedule. And then there's another rock that when we get the order right, we're able to more properly deal with. And this rock is one that I'm not saying doesn't need to be in our schedule, but this is a rock that we need to be really careful about. And as a pastor, I can't talk about schedule and not talk about this rock. This is the rock of youth activities. And I am noticing in our culture that there is increasing pressure for our young people to do more and more at a younger and younger age. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with youth activities or youth sports. In fact, it teaches kids about how to do goal setting and how to be part of a team and how to have a sense of accomplishment and all those things are very, very important. But as followers of Christ, we need to put parameters around this so that we're controlling this and not having this control us. And I am concerned that there are some families that are losing their connection to each other and to God because they feel like this rock goes in first and they simply don't have time for the other soul-satisfying rocks in their life. There's a family here at church that has their children involved in the Wednesday night program we have here. It's called WOW, Woods on Wednesday. Great ministry, great program. Teaches kids about how to study the Bible and about who God is and what their response to God needs to be. And the family's involved in WOW, and, and their son wanted to do baseball this spring. And so they sat down with him, and they said, hey, that's great, we'll, we'll sign you up for baseball, and we'll make a commitment to be at every baseball game and every baseball practice, except when that conflicts with church on Wednesday night. And when it conflicts with church, church is going to win 100% of the time. And that's gonna be hard for you. That, that's gonna be hard because the kids are gonna make fun of you and the team, and your coach is gonna be frustrated with you and it may affect your playing time, but the reason we're gonna make that decision is because what is most important in life is not that you're a great baseball player, what's most important in life is that you know who you are in your relationship with God. And because those connections at church in the community of believers matter so much, that's gonna take priority. Now that may be an extreme example for you, but I love the heart behind it of saying as followers of Christ, our schedules should in fact look different from the way of the world. And you know what? It may require us to have a little bit of self-denial in the process. And that's okay. Because life is not about what we accomplish. It's about who we become. And we can only become when our soul is satisfied by being connected to God and by serving and being connected to other people. I wonder what our fall would look like if each and every one of us approached our schedule in that way. To say, we're gonna make sure the most important rocks go in first, and then everything else will come around it. I wonder what kind of peace might restore to our schedules. And I wonder how much more deeply our souls would be satisfied as we go into the hecticness of this fall. When the National Transportation Safety Board did their investigation on Flight 401, they found out that the landing gear was perfectly fine. 
In fact, at the time of the crash, the landing gear was fully deployed and locked into position. The problem was the indicator light in the cockpit was burned out. A $12 replacement light bulb caused two pilots to become so distracted that they forgot to fly a multi-million dollar aircraft. Folks, our souls are worth so much more than an airplane. And we have to make sure that our souls are not distracted by the things that are happening around us and so that we miss our connection to God and our connection to others. Because ultimately, that is what our souls long for and that is exactly what Jesus offers to us. Let me pray for us. Father God, we are busy people. Lord, we live in a busy culture. And Lord, there is all this pressure to just do and do and do and accomplish and chase after all these things. And Lord, our soul is at risk in the midst of it. And so Father, I pray that we would, as your followers, become people who approach our schedule in a different way. Lord, that we would take seriously your words to not chase after the ways of this world, but Lord, to allow our soul to be satisfied in you and in you only. And so Father, we pray that you would give us discernment and wisdom as we move into the fall and as we consider our calendars. Lord, let us be willing to put some limits and to say no so that we can say yes to you and we can hear from you and have our souls be satisfied in you. Father, we're grateful that you stand with arms open waiting for us to come to you and to receive such satisfaction. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Well, as we were talking about how to close out this service, Colin and I felt that it would be most appropriate to give you just a little bit of space to let your soul be satisfied by Christ. So we wanna give you just a minute to sit and to listen and to receive the first part of this song. Have your soul rest by focusing on who Jesus is and the satisfaction that deep soul satisfaction that he offers to you.